Beloved, would you stand with me at the reading of God's Word? Revelation 17 is a long passage. I'm not going to read all of it, but I'm going to read some of it and comment on other parts. I want you to pay attention to the imagery, the pictures that God is giving to us to represent something very real. And I also want you to pay close attention to how the author, John, the apostle, responds to what he has shown. Revelation chapter 17. Then one of the angels, one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality and with the wine of whose sexual immorality the dwellers on earth have become drunk. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names and it had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead was written a name of mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations. And I saw the woman, and here's his response, drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. When I saw her, I marveled greatly. But the angel said to me, why do you marvel? And then the angel explains this vision. In verse 8, he says, the beast that you saw was and is not and is about to rise. The dwellers of the earth are, are those whose names have not been written in the book of life. Verse 9, he says, this calls for wisdom. You're not going to understand this unless you have wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains, which in verse 10 are seven kings. Verse 11, the beast that was and is not is an eighth of this seven rulers, but it belongs to the seven and it goes to destruction. The ten horns are ten kings that have royal power. And these, verse 11 or verse 13, are of one mind and they hand over their power and authority to the beast. They will make war on the lamb and the lamb will conquer them. Verse 15, the waters that you saw where the prostitute is seated are peoples and multitudes and nations and languages. And the ten horns that you saw and the beasts are going to hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to carry out his purpose by being of one mind and handing over their royal authority, power to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And then verse 18, and the woman that you saw is the great city that has dominion over the kings of the earth. Beloved, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. What I want you to understand right away 
from this really busy image of a prostitute is that the Apostle John, when he saw the prostitute, he didn't see a dog, he saw a ten. She was a ten to him. He marveled at her. It says in verse 6 that he marveled greatly. And then the angel turns to John and said, why would you marvel? Why would you do what it says that people who don't believe in Jesus do? They marvel at the devil's creatures. And so... I'm going to rephrase the angel's question to John. And I'm going to put it to you like this. Why would you stray? Why would you stray from the Lord? This is really important if you're going to understand Revelation 17. God, who is pretty creative. God, who has all kinds of imagery that he could reach for, our almighty and holy God, whenever he wants to explain for us the spiritual dangers that are facing us, he reaches for the prostitute as the image. Sexual immorality. The woman who is not your wife, but who is being treated by you like she's your wife and she's so alluring. What God is doing in Revelation 17 is holding up this prostitute and his point is to warn us about spiritual infidelity, about being unfaithful to him. And sexual immorality is a really good illustration of this. Because I think we should all recognize the dangers of sexual immorality. I think we can all, we're aware of the diseases that are are a danger to those who commit sexual immorality. Or the relational damages that can come to someone who breaks their vows. And then breaks the hearts of those who they're supposed to love. If you just try to explain to a child what a prostitute is, the way that I carefully tried to do that this week, um, they will immediately associate her with hell. So the angel turns to John and says, why would you stray? And yet the why is is actually pretty obvious. And this is something else you're going to have to just accept if you're going to benefit from God's word. Every sinner, that's you and me, we all have a gravitational pull inside of us toward danger. And, And you can just think about sexual immorality in that regard, I mean, 
premarital sex is nearly universal. Nudity and adultery are normalized in our society, even celebrated in stories that we delight in taking part in. The forbidden woman that we read about in Proverbs 7 used to be found on the corner of a dark street. Now she's on our phones. The statistics on pornography usage will sober you. The dangers of sexual morality are obvious and still the pull to stray toward it is so strong. And then in Revelation 17, God takes that image and puts it before us. So that the dangers of sexual morality and the draw of sexual morality might be a warning to you and to me not to be unfaithful to the Lord. This is what he's doing. Why would you stray? Whether you walked in today knowing Jesus Christ savingly or not. Listen to me. You do not want to be unfaithful to the only God. Here's the sermon in a sentence. Only fools stray for a seductress. Only fools stray for a seductress. Revelation 17 is a vision and then this explanation. I just want to kind of summarize the chapter by giving us two encouragements to not stray from the Lord. Number one, don't stray to a seductress. Point number one is don't stray to a seductress. One thing that's going to help you kind of follow along is if being unfaithful to God is like, this is what he's saying, it's like visiting a prostitute. If that's true, then, then, then the, the opposite is also true, which means being in right relationship with God is like being happily married to him. And you need to understand that whoever strays from the Lord always is straying to something else. To something else. And so he tells us that the seductress that is tempting us to stray from him is a city. Is a city. And it's actually at the end of our passage. The angel waits until the very last verse to unmask who this seductive prostitute in the vision is. The woman that you saw is the great city that has rule or control or dominion over the kings of the earth. The great city in verse 18 is, is called Babylon earlier in, in verse 5. And that should immediately make us think of, in the Old Testament, that metropolis called Babylon. And, and, and it is, he says, a city that is like a prostitute. A, a great cities in this world have new delights at every turn. That's the promise that prostitutes make. And the city... The actual city that he's talking about, though, I, I think is not just one city like Rome in, in John's day. 
it's 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 a great city, which is is like Alexander the Great. Alexander was called the Great because he conquered more and more kings. Well, this city conquers more and more cities. In verse five, I'm just hopping around, but just try to follow me. In verse five, the great city of Babylon is called the Mother. I think of every culture. So. To say that the seductress we're to be on guard against is a city is just to say that it's, it's a way of living. It's a culture. It's a, it's an approach to life that, that seduces us away from trusting in the Lord. So you need to understand this. Verse five is telling us, along with the whole chapter, that this world has a way of life. And its design is to fill your life with abominations, things that are offensive to the God who made you. Revelation 17 says in verse 2, all earth dwellers, that is everyone who will not go to heaven because earth is their home. All unbelievers have been seduced. Verse 15 says that this seductress sits on many waters, but he says she sits on peoples, multitudes, nations, languages. All that is to say every culture in the world has been seduced by this woman. And that means, friends, it's not enough just not to live in Fort Worth. This seductress is here in our town. She's at family get-togethers. She's in schools. She's at sporting events. And it would be foolish for you to stray to her. The seductress is a swindler, is a swindler. That's the way Proverbs 7 described the the, the physical woman who is a seductress. She talks like a swindler. She talks with smooth words, it said. She stalks like a swindler. She lies in wait, living like a hunter. She acts like a swindler. Remember the prostitute, what she said to the the guy who walked down her street? I've offered my sacrifices to God. She's saying, I'm religious and this is consistent with religion with God. God wants us to be together. This isn't wrong. And what else did it say? With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With smooth talk, she compels him. All at once, he follows her. Till an arrow pierces his liver. As a bird rushes into a snare. He does not know it will cost him his life. The seductress is a swindler. And and notice how this city... 
This way of life is described in verse four. Gold, wearing gold, purple, scarlet, and linen. That's the uniform of God's high priest. That's what she's wearing. It's a trick. Do you know what people who commit adultery feel like afterward? They feel like they've been swindled. Like all the allure that was very real was not real. If we stray from God to this seductress, this way of life that the whole world has, we will regret it. It's, it's right there in verses 16 and 17. Even the enemies of God who followed after the, the, the prostitute in verses 16 and 17, they turn on her. They hate her. At some point, even the enemies of God are going to realize how foolish they were for straying to the seductress. But friends, you need to understand the difference between regret and repentance. They do not repent. They regret like Judas regretted. Judas sold Jesus for money. And regret was just too little. And he was too late. And that's what this whole world that follows the seductress will be like. What we want is what Peter did whenever Peter betrayed Jesus. Peter didn't just regret, he repented back to Jesus. So even fools can show regret for their foolishness. And that doesn't mean they, they honor the Lord. To swindle us into straying from the Lord, the seductress, it says, she's serving the beast. She's riding on the beast. That is to say, the beast is carrying her. And, and, and the beast, and, and if you weren't here for Revelation 13, I want to encourage you to go back to that sermon to hear more about the beast. But the, the, the beast here in verse 8 is described as if he's God. Did you see this description of the beast? And verse 8, he who was, who is not, and who is about to rise. In Revelation, God is described as the one who is, who was, and who is to come. In other words, it's just another way to say she is swindling people into straying from a real God for a fake one. At the end of 8, it says, The dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, they will marvel. This is why you shouldn't marvel. They marvel to see the beast. So she's going to have real power. She's going to have the power of the devil to allure us away from God. 
Friends, be wise. The seductress swindles maybe most of the world into hell. But there is a real God. And so the seductive city will cease, will cease. Look in verses 12 and 13. These ten kings who are following her. Gather together with the beast. These the enemies of Christ. They are of one mind. They all follow the beast, which is the devil's power. Verse 14, they will make war on the lamb and the lamb will conquer them for he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And those with him are called and chosen and faithful. Do you know what the king of Babylon and and the Caesar of Rome, what they have in common? They call themselves king of kings. Well, Jesus Christ is coming back and he's going to take that title. After the beast and the earth's kings turn on the prostitute, they're going to assemble to fight the lamb and our savior is going to conquer all of them. Beloved, only fools would stray from him for a seductress. Why would you stray? Why would you withhold any faithfulness to the Lord Jesus? Why would you want to give just a little bit of your life to the Lord Jesus? Why would you be a Sunday morning or an Easter or Christian, a Christmas kind of Christian when he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords and he will come back and defeat everyone who is only partially Casually committed to him as well as those who are against him outright. Beloved, seductresses make promises to us. This is how they work. And they have no intention of keeping those promises. A seductress, just think about this. They will leave you aching and empty And alone. Now compare that to a faithful spouse. Beloved, one of the best pictures of God's love for us. Is experienced by those. Who God allows. To experience the covenant of marriage to one person over decades. If God has graced you with a faithful spouse, you should thank him. If he has not given you that, you should wait for him because he may still give you that. 
And yet, no matter who you are, whether you're married or not, everyone can have someone even better than a faithful human spouse. Everyone regrets straying to a seductress, but you will never, ever regret staying with a faithful spouse. Would you look at verse 14? Look at what those who are with Jesus are called. Those who are with the King of Kings are called and chosen and faithful. What wonderful descriptions in this context. Jesus Christ is a husband. And he is not like the seductress. Jesus is the kind of spouse who gets better and more attractive over time. Jesus Christ doesn't swindle his people into loving him like the prostitute does to her clients. Beloved, if you are with Jesus, you will not stray because he has called you. He has called you. The longer we walk with Jesus, the more we want to stay with him. Is that true of you? Do you you know what this means? To walk with Jesus and to find him more and more lovely, more and more faithful to the point where you would you get to a point where you know you would be such a fool to ever stray from him in any kind of way. And it leads to all kinds of probably good feelings of regret for any ways in which you were unfaithful to him. He's not like a seductress. The seductress will just deal with whoever pulls up, whoever has enough money. Jesus doesn't just accept his people who choose him. That's not what it says. It says he called us and he chose us. Isn't this amazing? Jesus chooses us. He chose you, Christian, and he knew every single thing about you, more about you than you knew about yourself. Oh, I wonder if anyone knows the amazing experience of celebrating an anniversary with an amazing woman who then says, I chose you back then. I would choose you again. Jesus chooses us. And he never did that because of us. Never because of how good we are. No, we know his choice of me. Just highlights how good he is. Why would you stray? Why would you stray from him? He calls those who are with him called and chosen. But take in how wonderful this next word is in the context of Revelation 17. We're also faithful. As in not unfaithful. That's the way he looks at us. Not like the rest of the world straying to the seductress in sexual morality or spiritual infidelity. He knows. He knows everything. He knows we're not perfect. But it is it is as if our husband has given us his credentials. 
Isn't this the way the book opened? The faithful and the true. And now he's made that true of us. Why would you stray? Only fools stray for a seductress. And yet, you better believe it, seduction's draw is so strong or else no one would give in for what they know will just be a few minutes of fun. But so many do. I'm going to need to sit back down soon, but first you need to hear something else from me. And that's not just to not stray to a seductress, but point number two is don't stray for her seductions. Don't stray to a seductress and don't stray for her seductions. Friends, the devil is real. He's real. That's what Revelation reveals. Is the one you can't see is real. And he's got one plan. And that is to seduce you into straying from the Lord. And the book of Revelation tells us that he has shared his strengths with three helpers. The beast uses devilish power. The false prophet uses devilish persuasion. And the prostitute uses devilish pleasure and prosperity. Let me say something real quick to the graduates. And this will apply to everyone, but to you especially. You really are entering a season of new freedom. Freedom like you've never known. And you, you have a choice. And you're maybe for the first time going to have to make it. And what you're going to be choosing between is the God that your parents introduced you to and to all the alternatives. I want to encourage you. Resolve right now with God's help. Not to stray. Now, all of us have this choice. And I want to encourage you, don't stray for the seduction of pleasure. Do not put pleasure first in your life. Sex is a wonderful gift from the Lord. And therefore, the devil reaches for this intense pleasure and makes what was meant to bring attention to how good God is, and he uses it to make it into a denial of God, just a total rejection of God. An end in itself, sex outside of marriage. You need to know this. It was always used in every false religion. It was a sign of worship or a way to worship in every false 
religion, sex outside of marriage. Beloved, it is fools who put pleasure first. Hear me. Pornography is never okay. Let me expand on that. Seeing anyone other than your spouse naked may be physically alluring to you and it is spiritually deadly. Hollywood is swindling you. Wait for the real thing. If you're married, give yourself to your spouse. Frequently and fully. Enjoy this gift that God gives and do it to the glory of God. It's an act of worshiping Him for giving intense pleasure. But don't stray for the seduction of pleasure applies to every single kind of pleasure, even if this is like like the main picture that we're given here. That means the pleasures of food, the pleasures of entertainment, the pleasures of sports, every pleasure will be most pleasing to us only so far as we enjoy them the way that God intended and not as a replacement for God. Don't stray for the seduction of pleasure. But there's something else that will allure us from the Lord. It's not just pleasure. It's also prosperity. See, prostitutes were associated not only with pleasure, but with prosperity. An exchange of riches for pleasure. Riches and what they offer us in terms of pleasure. Chapter 18, when we're going to go on and see how people respond to the destruction of the, the, the prostitute, it will be the loss of prosperity that comes into focus. That makes people sad that the prostitute no longer is active. The world seduces us away from the Lord by offering us material things, financial blessings, let me, let me ask you a question. How many people do you know never miss work? But are too busy when you ask them to come to church. Never miss work? Why? Why would you never miss work? I know why, and we all know why. But you don't have time for God each day? What do you think the world is seducing you with? Promotions. Achievement. Entrepreneurship. Financial freedom. All being used right now to lead men to say no to the Lord. And to neglect their wives and to neglect their children. But wives can be drawn to this as well. They want Perhaps a bigger house, a better car, more stuff for their children, keeping up with the Joneses. And the result is whenever if they get sick or if they're in need or whatever, they don't need God anymore. 
because they have arranged their lives such that they don't need him and can take care of things themselves. Titans of business, being part of the tour of homes, being a socialite, going to church just to make deals and be seen or to find a rich spouse or a good match for your kid to climb the social ladder to position yourself for the goodies that the powerful might one day offer you, but not to worship God. This is what the prostitute is doing. The seductress knows how to steal souls. And she knows whether you like brunettes or blondes. She knows whether she can make you stray by pleasure or by prosperity. And you would be wise if you knew what it was to. And you would fight and pray and surround yourselves with believers who love you and who know the truth and who can hold you accountable because your eternity depends on it. I don't know if anyone here has been helped to see that you have been seduced. If you're a believer, that maybe you've been flirting too much with pleasure or with prosperity. And maybe you've come to realize today that's the reason you feel cold toward the Lord. Or if you're not someone who's totally devoted to the Lord Jesus, maybe God has helped you to see that you've been a fool to put pleasure before him or to put prosperity before him. If you feel that, that is a blessing from God. And I want you to hear what God says in Isaiah 54. Your maker is your husband. And the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is the God of the whole earth. For the Lord has called you like a wife who was deserted and abandoned by a husband. For a brief moment, I deserted you, God says to his people, but with great compassion, I will gather you. It means if you're feeling that you've been a fool for straying from the Lord, he will gather you back. But there's only one way he ever does it. Isaiah 54 came right after talking about the blood of his son being sacrificed. In other words, Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed on the cross can cleanse you from all sin and guilt. Would you trust him? Would you turn from putting anyone else first and trust him to save you? He will do it. And if that's already true of you and yet you're feeling the conviction of how you have been unfaithful to the Lord. Do you know how the, this book of Revelation ends? Revelation 21 verse 2 talks about a different city. And it describes the city, which is God's people, like a bride 
who is ready for her husband. Beloved, we are cleansed by the blood of the Lamb and we are kept by the love of the Lamb. It is a tragic thing to see a man straying from his family for pleasure. For a a younger but forbidden woman. It's a tragic thing to see a woman who is straying from her family for prosperity, for a richer, forbidden man. And that's the tragedy God wants us to have in front of our eyes. To keep reminding us only fools would stray to a seductress. Beloved, why would you stray? Lord Jesus, we come to you as the one who is worthy of our worship. We cannot believe you have called us, chosen us, and made us faithful. But you have. By your blood. And you will keep us to the very end. Lord, do keep us safe. And we'll know you are as you keep us from straying. We pray this in your name. Amen.